This is Top Floor, episode 125. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 125. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast right up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show, Stephanie Ledger and Michelle Klein, co-hosts of Walk the Floors. Both have extensive career histories in hotel and restaurant operations. Their paths crossed at the service companies where Stephanie was vice president of account openings in the turnkey housekeeping division. And Michelle was vice president of operations for the Western division. Both women started their own businesses and then came back together in 2021 to launch Walk the Floors, a podcast and training company devoted to cultivating hospitality. Michelle is president and founder of Klein Hospitality Consulting, and Stephanie is chief excellence officer of First Rate Hospitality. Today, we are going to talk about the WTF moments sprinkled throughout the hotel business. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals with burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, please call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Raphael. I love this question. I cannot wait to hear what y'all think. Okay. I see a lot of conflicting advice about how to leave a hotel room. Strip the bed, don't strip the bed, leave a tip, don't leave a tip, etc. It's so expensive to stay at a hotel, but I also want to be a good guest. What is the real expectation? Stephanie and Michelle, I'm dying to hear what you think. And honestly, I could have asked this question because I want to know for myself too. I would have to say, of course, yes, leave the the tip. It's, you know, the housekeeping department, what the room attendants go through um, every day of going into the rooms and cleaning the rooms. Uh, it's always great to, you know, leave a little special uh, gratitude for the, the staff. When it comes to stripping the room, in my opinion, I'd have to say, yes, us hospitality people, we do it because we know what's underneath the, the sheets. However, <laughs> when it comes to the guest, however, I wouldn't recommend the guest stripping the room. If anything, I would say at least making sure that, you know, all the garbage is gathered together and all of uh, the towels or Terry, you know, is all uh, together. But when it comes to the bed as a guest that's not in the hospitality industry, I think it's okay to leave the bed uh, as is. Michelle, I don't know if you want to say anything else on that. I agree 100%. Hoteliers, you know what it takes. It just takes you, what, five, maybe three minutes to strip that room and leave it clean. 
for the most part, same situation. You know, when it comes to your garbage, no one wants to be picking up after you. So if you wouldn't do this to your mother, have that same concept in your brain and don't do it for your housekeeper. So make sure that your garbage is in one place and your terry is, or your towels and ropes, whatever, is all collected in one corner throughout your stay. So you don't have to do it when you leave. That makes a lot of sense. And I have to say, I agree. And if I ever roll my bag out the door without stripping the bed, the guilt complex that I carry with me is too big. Like it's not worth it. I have to do it. You all met when you worked together and you bonded over quality audits and maybe some of the WTF moments that you saw in hotels, both when you were working and when you were traveling for fun. Can you talk about how your friendship turned into a business? Maybe let's start with Michelle. It was actually the other way around. The chance of working together made us colleagues. And then we quickly realized that our standards were the same and immediately connected. So basically... It is work that brought us together and then gave us the opportunity for a friendship to to be born and then flourish from there. Stephanie, what role does your podcast play in the WTF empire? Yeah, so the podcast just serves as an extension to our business uh, empire. It really is a way for our clients, our uh, potential connections and clients to be able to get acquainted with our personality. Also to, to for us to be able to showing our experience in the hospitality industry and why it's you know very beneficial for the clients to be able to hire us with our extensive background and how we like to have a little fun as well while we're doing it. Me too. One of the things that people ask me all the time about this show is like, does it bring clients to my company? And I don't think the answer is exactly yes, but I also don't think it's exactly no. What about for y'all? Yes, I would have to say it's the same way. You know, us, our training is really what our focal point is with our clients. And the the podcast is, you know, it's just a way that also to, for potential clients that may have not uh, found us more of an organic way of searching or through recommendations, but then they were, you know, searching something of saying, oh, I wonder if there's any like hospitality training on a, a certain topic and then came across our stuff that way. Gotcha. So speaking of training, talk a little bit about the training that you offered. Like how does that differ from your individual businesses and what you sell or offer through those? Our WTF training program really focuses on three main areas. Enhancing communication, acquiring a sense of ownership and taking action to reach those sustainable lines of success in every area that we operate in, right? So Stephanie focuses on targeting these three topics from a front of a house perspective. In other words, the guest experience. While I focus on the back of the house, the team member experience, retention, engagement, and so on. So going back to that question about the podcast, we do a lot of work with emerging leaders. So it's also a great way for us to share tippets and little ways of them working on their own to gain that knowledge that they need. And our training program is different from the rest of the services we both provide because we tackle it together. 
making the training so much more fun and a lot richer as we include personal experiences with the participants where they can really connect with the content that they're getting to learn. And uh, we both have a fair share of experiences, as you can imagine. So it really makes makes it a, a lot uh, richer. Like me, I think both of you have experience working in food and beverage. And I'm guessing it's similar to me that as a result of that, you like to go out to eat and you like to you know, enjoy dining experiences. What have you noticed, either good or bad, about the dining experience lately? Anything in particular that's is standing out to you as like a trend or something happening in the in the restaurant world? Well, I'm good with a bad, unfortunately. You know, I'm always such a positive person, always want to go with the good, but I think, you know, we're seeing some bad things happen in the restaurant. And the main thing is the the fees. All right. We're really seeing the breakdown of fees starting to pop up more on our receipts, whether it being uh, the automatic service charge and not the gratuity that's going directly to your server, uh, or it's an automatic certain percentage. Uh, you know, I've seen all the way up to like 25% uh, of automatic service charge. And then also, too, even with the credit card. Uh, processing fees as well. And it's an establishment that doesn't even accept cash. So here, if I'm trying to maybe save a few dollars uh, by paying cash directly instead of having the processing fee, um, it, you know, I can't even do do that. So I think the fees uh, breakdown is, you know, it's a bad thing that we're seeing a huge trend on that more restaurants are adapting to. And if I would have to say of how to improvement, obviously pay your staff more money. Uh, <laughs> but then also too, of seeing how those fees you can actually tie up into other ways. So it really doesn't look like you're nickeling and diming your, your guests that are dining uh, with you. It's sort of ironic that all of these food and beverage RF restaurant fees are popping up after the hotel business is about to eliminate all of the resort and destination fees. I mean, there's a huge push for that. It's almost like they heard junk fee and <laughs> thought, oh, we haven't jumped on that yet. Let's get it while we can. Um, I was talking to Stuart Greif in episode 124 about the check-in process and how we, he and I both wish it could be better, more seamless, but more interactive, less complicated, less annoying. Like I don't think either one of us had any brilliant solutions, but we were just talking about how you know it would be a place to improve. So I'm curious if you have any specific ways that you train clients to handle check-in or like any things that you think are absolutely imperative to include, imperative to not include, or I don't know, what's your, what's your point of view on check-in? So I don't know, Susan, if this is a, a brilliant solution, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. The, at the end of the day, the guest satisfaction is the hotel's top priority, any hotel's top priority. And the checking experience is a big part of that. 
you know, it's, it's the first impression. It's either right after you dropped your vehicle off at valet or you walk through a clean or dirty parking lot. So <laughs> it's that moment when you have that opportunity to really, really wow that guest and bring them in. If that initial checkpoint wasn't amazing, you know, long lines at the, the, the front desk after a tiring flight or going across the country, hauling children can be really frustrating. Your guests want to get to the room and they want to relax and, and, you know, throw themselves on those lovely, comfortable beds that you have to offer. So making their checking progress process as smooth and stress-free as possible with friendly and empathetic team members that can understand what these guests potentially just went through and enhance that experience with technology is a great way to go. In which case, you know, you're targeting every single generation because now you don't only have that opportunity to provide maybe a checking kiosk, you use technology, you are on that, uh, that era that that's your thing, or you want to have that interaction with a person, with a human. So having both options available, I think goes a long way. Not only, uh, you know, will your guests appreciate it, but your staff will too, because after all, nobody really likes long lines. Uh, your staff doesn't either. And then um, it'll keep everyone happy as you walk into the checking area making sure that we really train every single team member that is going to be part of this and teach them empathy. You never know what your guest went through to really get to where you, your hotel is, right? Are they there for a vacation or are they there because they're about to bury a loved one? So we don't really know what's going on. So, so teaching them empathy is, is number one tip. The second one, I would say use analogies and storytelling so that the team has the ability to really connect the dots. In many cases, they have never had hotel experience before. And if they come from other industries, get a good understanding of what their role was like so that you can make reference to that and they can see the similarities. It can be very scary to get into a new industry and know nothing about it. So being able to use analogies, storytelling, finding those connecting dots so that they can see how their past experience can be similar to what they're here to accomplish every day, then that's a huge win. Your point about empathy reminds me of something which is uh, something I heard recently, which is the idea that we expect people to offer white glove service who have never received white glove service. And I remember when I worked in my first hotel, I had probably stayed in a hotel a handful of times, not... I didn't grow up staying in hotels very often at all. Um, I wonder what the solution is for that. Like, how do you imbue someone with empathy for a situation they've never experienced? That is a great point, Susan. The same way that in food and beverage, we have our servers and our bussers and anyone that operates the front of a house who might get that question, what does this taste like? Or can you describe this? We have them tasted. It's a great way to get your team to really know what they're selling. So have them go through the experience. Maybe you make it um, an, uh, a part of their engagement perks. So if you hit these certain KPIs, you get to uh, test or get to, you know, shop us or you get to enjoy a one or two night stay with a loved one or a friend. So that's a great way to have them 
really experience it, something that they have to sell, but they have never tasted it before. I love that. That's a great idea. We like to make sure that every single one of our listeners comes away from every single one of our episodes with some practical, specific tips that they can try either in their businesses or in their personal lives. Stephanie, with what I know is extensive housekeeping experience, how would you suggest someone recreate the hotel guest room experience at home? What are the key touch points? Well, I'm not sure if many know, but a lot of the big brands actually have a store website. So you're able to purchase bed, linen, pillows, Terry robes, all of those things. So maybe you've traveled to a certain hotel and you're like, oh my gosh, I just had the best sleep ever. It was the pillow, the firmness of that pillow. I haven't been able to find one just like it. Well, go down to the front desk and see if you're able to order it online. Uh, see uh, also to who manufactures it to then seeing if you're able to purchase it. But a lot of the hotels actually have the website where you're able to purchase everything as if you were staying at the hotel into your home. And then if you're looking to recreate on the uh, bathroom side, you could actually just go to Costco and buy the big, large, sour amenities and paste them on your wall. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yes, I know. Everyone loves that now. And it's true. You can. There are also plenty of... Um, dupes for hotels signature scents that you can purchase. Yes. Uh, yes. So let's do a round table. What hotel stuff do you have in your house? I have a Weston Heavenly bed. I have an Omni robe. I have a robe from the breakers. I think that's it. What about you, Michelle? I don't think I have anything. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. The last thing that I want to do is bring the hotel experience to my home. My husband absolutely loves everything cookie cutter, like what you see out there. I am the opposite. Interesting. What about you, Stephanie? Um, I would have to say toothpaste and shower, like the little travel shower uh, amenities. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess I'm further away from working on property. Like it's been a really long time. So I'm not as pissed and I can have <laughs> these uh, mattresses in my house. One of my favorite sayings, I mean, this isn't my favorite saying, but I think it's a funny saying is there are only two ships I don't want to get on, a sinking ship and a partnership. <laughs> I think navigating partnerships is really, really difficult. And it's always impressive when people are able to do it. Michelle, do you have any tips for how you and Stephanie have made this partnership successful? Yes. So first, I would say be humble and learn from others. Partner up with people who are better than you and can bring services to your uh, brand that are being provided at the same level of excellence as you, right? The second thing that I would say is choose to partner only with people and companies whose values align with yours and those of your own company. So an outstanding level of service is my top priority. Then with this said, I, I only partner with those who are committed to being a step ahead. So anticipating the need, who will communicate openly with the clients, who will deliver 
uh, based on expectation or exceed that expectation. You know, you those who can plan appropriately and can deliver that service with a high impact level. And then lastly, I would say communicate openly. And when something concerns you or when you don't feel good about a specific uh, decision that is being made, discuss it. If you choose the right partner, there should be alignment and a, a desire to reach a win-win outcome. So you should be on, on the right track if you're keeping that communication open. I'm really glad that Stephanie didn't just jump in and go, lawyers, <laughs> like have a really good operating agreement. So I think you guys are destined for a successful partnership. Well, we have reached the fortune telling portion of our show. So now is when we're going to do a little future predicting, which in episode 123, I made clear that I am terrible at. What is a prediction you have about the future of hospitality? Michelle, you go first. In my opinion, there are two very specific topics that will be mainly discussed throughout this year. One is cybersecurity and the other one is team member development. We've we've done a lot of work related to DEI and technological um, advancements and integrations this, this past few years. I think that now is all about putting that into action and preventing any more damage from happening in the future. So most definitely development of those we have been able to retain so far, and then keeping a pulse on cybersecurity, which is something that we can't sleep on. Okay, Stephanie, what about you? Yeah, I definitely agree with the team member uh, development, but I also too think we're going to see a lot more partnerships happening in the hospitality. We see Louis Vuitton is opening a hotel in Paris. Bagari is opening their first U.S. hotel here in Miami. Um, we're also too, we're seeing there's uh, hospitality partnerships with space travel that is going on. So in the future, I wouldn't surprise me if I see Amazon and Google getting into the hospitality industry even more or others just creating these partnerships for a marketing buzz, but then also too for others of being like, oh, I want to be able to experience these totally two different brands coming together for a hospitality experience. That's interesting. I think that we should try to come up with the next biggest hospitality brand partnership before anybody else does. Yes. <laughs> what is next for Walk the Floors? Ooh, that's a big one. So this year, the main focus is going to be really on continuing to bring those uh, epic guests that come to our podcast, but doing it on a more regular basis. And then also focusing on um, expanding our territory when it comes to the training that we're providing. So looking outside of South Florida and the Las Vegas area, which has been our main focus just because of logistics. So looking at expanding the territory a little bit. Excellent. Okay, folks, before we tell Stephanie and Michelle goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. going down. Michelle and Stephanie, I know you have great WTF loading dock stories. What is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? 
we found uh, collectively one story where we were both involved in and it was really memorable. So the story we want to share today is one we have never told before. And the reason we chose this one is because it is critical that we take into consideration the impact that we have on our teams when we say yes to absolutely everything our clients want. (laughs) So here's the context. I was responsible for a specific region and Stephanie had been assigned to leading a property opening that was under my umbrella. And our responsibility was to staff the housekeeping department. And this was a luxury brand. So there you go. A few days into opening, I get a phone call from a very flustered Stephanie. And if you know her at all, you know, she doesn't get that way easily. She's a sunshine warrior who will get the job done. Even if it has to do with sticks and duct tape, she'll make it happen. (laughs) Anyway, uh, she was done. She was done. She had reached that level. She hadn't been there for that long. So something was going on. So ready to get on a, uh, a first flight out instead of doing that, uh, you know, her, her frustration was really stemming from a very demanding property director who was requesting more than the staffing company had committed to. So day in and day out, a new ask would come her way while turning, um, this, you know, this revolving door of retraining, 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 because it seems like there is nothing that is really satisfying. Um, and um, she was really caught in a sandstorm. And know that note that uh, I use the word sandstorm as opposed mm-hmm. to the other word with an <laughs> S. Um, so picture that. So I was not going to lose her. So before she gets on the fl- first flight out, Uh, I was going to make sure that I get to her. She was the best trainer we had and really the right person for the job. So little did I know that when I arrived, I was uh, going into combat. So Stephanie, why don't you share the rest of the story? Yes, our this client, um, and it's crazy as you know, you come up from the hotel side and now you're on the other side and being the client to the operation managers, which you know what they go through on a day to day. So this operations manager decided that they wanted me as their manager to stay in the room for our staff when they were cleaning the the room, not help them, not do anything, but just staying in the room. Yeah. What? Okay, this doesn't make so awkward. Yes. Um, and also too, even if we only had uh two of our staff members that would be working, I still needed to be up on the the floors and with them. Uh so yeah, so their demands were starting to get crazy, and we also too couldn't see the logic but behind it. Uh, Wait, let me stop you for a second. So what would you normally have done instead of this weird thing that you were requested Mm -hmm. to do? So usually then it would be like, okay, the room attendant now has uh, finished cleaning the room and just going right back and, you know, doing the typical inspection. So clearing it for the front desk to be able uh, to check the, the guest in and saying, yes, this room is ready to go. Instead, these are seasoned room attendants and they wanted me to making sure that I was standing in the room. I don't know what their reasoning was from it. Also too, from a logistics that how am I supposed to be with one room attendant when we <laughs> at days would have 
15 room attendants um, and bouncing around. And, and yeah, so it got to the point where I also felt like some of the other uh, leaders were on board with this because they were just probably trying to go with what this uh, operations manager was trying to do and making it into a game. And, you know, I want to make sure the client's happy. And we're at the end of the day, it really also too comes to making sure that the guest is taken care of. So if this is what we need to do, but it just didn't make sense, caused a lot of frustration that got to the point where I was like, I'm out. <laughs> and so then... And, and this was this was with, a, with an organization that had a yes, yes type of culture. Mm-hmm right? Without really necessarily considering the resources that were in place, specifically what the contracts and we would be going into these combat zones, trying to think, work things out as we went along. So typically Stephanie would have specific people in the group to guide these guest room attendants, as opposed to herself having to be with every single one of them, which is like, okay, can I clone myself or how do we do this? Yes. So Stephanie, how about we we take the story a step further and share with the audience what you decided to do after you are finished with this project? Yeah. So this was, I think, the best part. You know, it really pays to play. Uh, so I had told them, I go, look, I've already been here for 30 days. So usually when I was on a project, it would be for an extended period of time. I'm coming up for, you know, to having some time off. Also to Thanksgiving now is coming up. And usually I would have that time uh, off to go see my family because traveling all around, we all get it on being on the road. And I told them, I was like, I'm going to make a deal with you guys. I'll come back and deal with whatever comes next for during the Thanksgiving holiday. However, I want the week prior off because as we know in hospitality, it tends to be a little bit quieter leading up to a major holiday. And then where this location was, it was very easy for me to now saying, okay, sorry, family, I'm not going to go see for Thanksgiving. I am taking a well, good, deserved vacation and going to Hawaii. And then (laughs) I spent a week there in Hawaii and I came back and I was like, all right, I'm ready for whatever gets thrown at me now. Amazing. So the moral of the story is we fail to recognize that burnout is very, very real. And we must find a way to keep our team members' sanity in check. And when we say yes to absolutely every single thing that our client wants or a guest wants, without providing the team with the tools and the resources to actually take that yes to the finish line, it's inevitably going to lead to disengagement and frustration, which in turn leads to, you know, great people wanting to leave the organization and then guests potentially never returning. So when you say yes, you are really saying no to something else. And at this point, this is this is proof that this organization was saying no to one of their most epic trainers that they had out there on the field. Stephanie Ledger and Michelle Klein, thank you so much for being here. I loved hearing your stories and I really appreciate you riding with us up to the top floor. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 125. 
Jonathan Albano is our editor, producer, and all-around genius. He even wrote and performed our theme song with vocals by Cameron Albano. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And your rating or review will go a long way in helping us give you more of what you like. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 